0: My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be in therapy. And this
0: is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy.
1: Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television or C a great episode of burn notice. And we never argue because all of these things have very clear criterion. Speaking of those criterion. And if
0: you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burn podcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burn pod. As always, that is burn noticed with a D, because that is the name of our podcast, because we notice the burn.
1: We sure do. How are you doing,
0: Bree? you kind of coughing.
1: Yeah, still coughing, still dying. I have officially now been coughing for like over half of this season. But, you know, to be fair, that was what happened last year too when we were recording season two of Burn Notice. I also had a cough for like four months and had to fucking edit it out of every episode. I think, so. honestly,
0: I think it's just New York City. Did you ever have this problem before you lived in New York City?
1: No, but I but like, I don't think correlation proves causation in this okay, case. Okay, but that was like...
0: also true of me.
1: <laughs> right, but- I also had this of...
0: problem- But only when I lived in New York City and now I'm in LA, I don't have this problem anymore.
1: Yeah, I I didn't have it in Texas either. I still don't think correlation proves causation here because I think what's happening is that the past couple of years, yes, in New York City, but the past couple of years I uh, have taken on more and more like side hustle work and like said yes to extracurricular projects and they all kind of come to a head around the october part of the year and i get really stressed out and i don't sleep and i have uh many months of not having a day off today marks like day 45 of no days off for me and this immune system Yeah, I I don't think it's psychosomatic. I think my immune system revolts (laughs) and I don't take care of myself. And it's like, all right, well, uh, we'll show you, bitch. And it does. It does show me every single year. So I think it's because it happens at the same time every year and because my behavior is fairly consistent in that I'm always an overworking kind of workaholic act one of a rom-com protagonist kind of person, but October and like the period of time that I usually develop this cough is when like everything always comes to a head because it's officially the last month of the working year. Like November and December happen and I work during them, but let's be honest, the media industry basically shuts down after October because it's like, well, now it's the holiday season. We'll wait till next year to deal with it. So like December and November are like generally chiller. So October is the last proper year where like everything is happening. It's the the last proper month. Uh, And so, you know, when I say yes to things months apart, they all kind of come to a head in October. Um, And that is certainly the case this year. I, thought that it made sense to have both of my podcasts come back (laughs) in the same month and shoot a web series and edit a web series and direct a web series all in the same month. Plus both of the school programs that I teach for are in full swing this month. Um, and I also still have a day job, so... And I just signed up for another side hustle job. Point being. Yeah, I know. I have, uh... I only have four jobs right now. I briefly had five, but now I have four again.
0: (laughs) You know what your problem is, too? Is that you are in the first act of a rom-com, but you're already married. Well, no, you're not married, (laughs) but it feels like you're married.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm functionally married, yeah.
0: You are functionally married, so it's, like, you can't even, like, find like a nice man or woman or other to mm-hmm. like teach you how to loosen up
1: exactly quinn has tried bless his heart and it does not work i am extremely stubborn i really like this first act i don't i hate it but you know eventually it's going to pay off because we're going to get super famous from doing burn notice and there's going to be a reason why we thought this should be a weekly podcast <laughs> someday it'll come to it'll come to pass that this was a great idea Uh, So speaking Um, of Bird Notice, Chris, what episode of Bird Notice are we talking about this week?
0: uh, This week, we are talking about uh, season four, episode 10, Hard Time, which aired August 12th, 2010. It was written by Alfredo Barrios Jr. and directed by Denny Gordon. And Denny Gordon's name is the only thing about this paragraph that I find encouraging.
1: Literally, when I was watching this episode, I made an audible sound of disgust when I saw it was Alfredo Barrios Jr. writing it no offense, buddy. Okay. But then Denny Gordon's name appeared and I went, oh. <laughs> so like yeah. we had, I think, the same reaction. I will also say August 12th, 2010 was my best friend's 18th birthday. Huh. Yeah.
0: What, so what were you doing?
1: Uh, probably nothing because she hates being the center of attention and famously doesn't do very big birthday things. You <laughs> also, seem she was to surround always sick. yourself
0: with these kinds of people. <laughs> what do you think that says about you, pre-Castellini?
1: I'm a collector of The Broken and The Damned. I will say. That's a song, right?
0: I don't know, but it is now. We'll make it. The
1: leader of The Broken. I think it's The Black Parade. I think I'm badly quoting that song, The Black Parade. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Welcome to The Black Parade, a.k.a. Burn Notice. (laughs) Okay, so I was worried about Alfredo Barrios Jr., I was was also worried about the title because I think we may have talked about this on the podcast before. And I definitely talked about this in general. One of my least favorite plots slash settings in television is prison. (laughs) I don't like being in prison. I mean, I don't personally. I haven't personally been to prison. But like. Yet. In storytelling, I don't like being in prison. I don't like stories about prison.
1: Just like moral, I don't
0: like the aesthetics of prison. Yeah, I I
1: don't mind it like obviously you know when i watch media like this especially like crime show media i have to sort of suspend disbelief of like the actual horrors of the prison industrial complex of course the way that burn notice exists well to be fair
0: this is not real prison this is television prison denny Gordon's a great director i like legitimately think she's like in this episode as well directed Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it
1: was there was a lot of good stuff this is Um, like
0: a super fake looking prison (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I think every time we've seen a burn notice prison scene, it's been bad. Um, it's been so bad. Because I remember Why can't this
0: show, like, get access to, like, a prison or something? A prison set.
1: Know. But was here. Like, i think the last time this came up was uh season three episode one because michael is briefly yes. in prison and we make a comment about how the prison like the the sort of waiting room where he and sam talk on the phone together like uh, on either side of the glass um and we were like this looks super fake and i remember saying well i was hoping that they'd have to break michael out of prison and you're like oh god no because i hate episode set in prison and i was like well, but like, it's, you know, it's like a bottle episode. So I, like, for me, the fact that it's a bottle episode overrides the fact that it's a bottle episode in prison. I mean, to an extent, I agree. Be, with me? The aesthetic of prison sucks. Like, it's always like this race game. Let's gang, be very clear about, about what a gang. bottle
0: episode is. Let's not just be throwing around bottle episode. Like, a bottle episode is not just one set, it doesn't even have to be one set. A bottle episode is an existing set that like they already have to be an existing so that set? no one has to build anything. Like the point of a bottle episode is to save money. If you have to like build or like get a prison location and then cast this many extras, this is not a bottle episode.
1: Well, okay. So maybe I'm misunderstanding bottle episode then. Cause I always assumed that bottle episode meant it was an episode primarily uh, or entirely set in a single place. And like, at least in the way that it functions in like the procedural television landscape, is that they have to like they're st- it's like a single location horror movie essentially. So like a green room, for instance, like that's yeah. more of a I mean, like that's like a
0: slightly movie. different thing, but like because I've seen people talk about this on Twitter. Okay, well, like, so then
1: what would you consider this kind of an episode where somebody like instead of having a you know full city sprawling adventure, he is stuck in one place and has to kind of deal I don't know.
0: With I think it's an episode. I don't think it has a name. Just like. This is a ep- oh, one-location episode, although there's lots of sets. I don't know what I would call it. This is a prison episode, so, like, <laughs> this is a prison episode. In fact, let me describe what happens in this episode, according to the Internet Movie Database, which, by the way, now recognizes my gender.
1: Ooh, that's exciting.
0: And I'm happy about that. So, according to IMDb, after Vaughn sets up a meeting with Simon for Michael about his Bible, Michael gets himself placed in prison to help one of Sam's friends who's been targeted for death by a gang leader. And with that, do you want to just get in the weeds in the prison weeds?
1: Oh, yeah, let's get into those prison weeds.
0: All right, we're not in prison yet. We start and Michael is staring at like a murder wall. (laughs) Everything that like Vaughn can give him about Simon's personal life, because that's what matters. Like what kind of child was he like, well remember what? Simon's
1: Hannibal Lecter and so like Michael exactly. gotta get in yeah. his head so that Simon can't get back into his head He needs
0: to know when he was a kid what flavor of Capri Sun he drank because that <laughs> will be the key and apparently like Vaughn has provided all this so he's getting ready to meet Simon so Michael shows up at the house where Vaughn is holding Simon and I'm kind of surprised because I didn't think we were gonna be getting Simon at the beginning of the episode
1: mm-hmm. yeah I thought we'd have to work up to him
0: so yeah, they're holding Simon at this, like, fancy house. And Michael's wants to know, like, what have you guys got out of Simon? He's like, we can't get anything out of Simon. We've tortured him as much as he can, and we don't get shit out of him. And Michael's like, torture's dumb. I'm not going to torture him. <laughs> and then Vaughn says a line that I think is amazing, not because it's good or even because it's bad. It's, like, exactly the weirdest amount of random. He says, he's fine if Michael wants to cut his kidney out or give him a gallon of orange sherbet. <laughs> like...
1: Maybe Barrios was hungry when he was writing.
0: It's like, cause like even it's like a nice thing as opposed to a nasty thing. It's a weird nice thing.
1: It is a weird <laughs> it's nice a, thing. Like, Although weird I will say, line. Quinn's favorite like iced thing thing flavor in the world is orange sherbet. He loves oh orange sherbet.
0: He is a psychopath then. He is. And so
1: that's I what psychopaths like to like. They like I like orange to, sherbet. And I like to call it Sherbert, like Herbert. Uh, yeah. He hates that. He fucking hates that shit.
0: I mean, is that how it's pronounced?
1: No, there's no second R. It's just sherbet.
0: Is it really?
1: It is, which is why I like to intentionally mispronounce it cuz the, the I thing have that never in my the life not,
0: not said sherbet.
1: I know, me either. I think it's sherbet those, like berenstein sounds awful. Bernstein. I, I know it does. The
0: way that it sounds in my ears.
1: I mean, sherbet sounds stupid.
0: I mean, I, here's the thing. I think sherbet is stupid. I think the whole dessert is stupid. It's awful pretend ice cream for losers.
1: Exactly. I don't I, like it. Not a, I don't. Want I could it. Not agree more.
0: <laughs> if like I walk into a Baskin fucking Robbins and they're like, "You want this sherbet?" Like, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. Give with that me fake something ice cream with bullshit. cream in it. <laughs>
1: As Madeline Weston would say. I want that green. sherbet.
0: But like, sherbet sounds like a frog. Like, sherbet,
1: sherbet. Yeah. The, I think I've made it's, that exact joke to Quinn before when I was like, what do you mean it's not pronounced sherbert?
0: Anyhow, it's a dumb <laughs> dessert and no one likes it. So it's not a nice... So it, if anything, is torture. <laughs> Especially a gallon of it. What is he supposed to do with the gallon of sherbet? I'm saying sherbet now. Like, here's the thing. Sherbet sounds so dumb to me that it's funnier for me to say sherbet, which is apparently... The correct pronunciation. Like Mm -hmm. It's a funny joke to me that it's sherbet because it sounds stupid. Anyway, moving on. Michael meets Simon in the room where they shoot USA Network promos. It's like just this random room with these big windows so you can see the blue skies. It's pretty anonymous looking. Simon is acting like his general creepy quote unquote creepy Hannibal Lecter self. <laughs> and Michael asks him about the Bible. And again, he doesn't ask who hired him or like what's going on even though I'm pretty sure as I said last week that he knows, but he Michael is really searing in on this Bible stuff. But Simon is worried about being eavesdropped because there's like cameras in this room. And so Simon like, tackles Michael and, like, pushes him out the window, and then, like, they fall a couple stories, and then Simon, like, pretends to beat the shit out of Michael while also giving him a clue to a new MacGuffin. Apparently, Simon has cassette tape with very important information on it and he will not talk to michael until he listens to the cassette tape and so michael's like yeah sure whatever i'll go find your dumb cassette tape you better be back by the end of the episode though because we're paying you <laughs> and my, garrett Dellon's like yeah sure meanwhile at the loft b patches michael up while he explains the situation to her and sam and sam also explains that he has a case of the week he's got an old informant buddy of his that's in jail and the buddy is afraid that someone's going to kill him. So Sam's going to go down and talk to this guy. He doesn't know that it's the case of the week yet, but obviously it is. Of course. So he meet, so meets his buddy, Juan, who explains that Juan, who is in jail for some reason, I forget why, was helping this guy named Cruz steal money from La Nacion, which is a very powerful prison gang that Cruz is a part of. So, like, Cruz is high up in this prison gang, but also he's been stealing money from the prison gang. And Juan has been helping him do that. And now- For, for the money,
1: Juan, I guess. Yeah. Like to send back to his family.
0: Juan is a week away from release, which is like the prison equivalent of just one week from retirement. He's mm. about to retire from prison. And Cruz is afraid that Juan is going to talk about the fact they were stealing money, and so he has been talking about the fact that he doesn't like Juan, and he's gonna like, and he's probably gonna kill him. And so Juan's like, this guy is definitely gonna kill me. So Sam, you were the executor of my will. Talk to my beautiful, photogenic wife and children. Tell them that I love them because family is the most important thing. <laughs> He said, well, presumably the name Alfredo Barrios Jr. was on the bottom of the screen.
1: <laughs> he <laughs> well, says, well, Alfredo great, Barrios Jr. finishes himself off. Yeah. But not on a Zoom call because he's not nasty like that.
0: No. What we do what we do actually get at the bottom of the screen is a lower third that says that Juan is an unsuspecting client, which I did like.
1: Yeah, that was fun. That
0: is, because uh, like, yeah, Juan doesn't want anything. Like, he doesn't want Sam to like break him out or do any sort of nonsense. He's yeah, just like...
1: basically, he just told his lawyer to tell Sam to like get his affairs in order and just like make make sure everything's cool. But Sam is immediately like, wait, why? And Juan's like, ugh. I'm gonna die, but it's fine. Just don't worry about it. And he's like, Sam, my lawyer shouldn't have told you shit. Like, just, it's fine. Just leave me to my fate. And Sam's like, um, no, I'm Sam Axe. Didn't you hear? I don't leave a man behind. Me and that yeah. guy, the, the villain from like three episodes ago knew that. You should know that. Because
0: like, Quan is such a noble martyr.
1: Yeah, I think he, he helped Sam out on a job a while back. Maybe he yeah. like went to jail because like he was a snitch. Like he he wasn't like the best guy, but he turned like, state yeah. evidence or something.
0: Or he also may have been stealing money for someone else, too. Like, they say it really quickly at the beginning. They get to a whole bunch of exposition and like, hey, this is your backstory, right? Yeah, this is my backstory. But then it doesn't matter, so I don't remember it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. But point being, he helped Sam out on a job and Sam X never leaves a man behind.
0: Exactly. We learned that.
1: We did learn that.
0: Anyway, after leaving the prison, Sam finds himself being tailed by gang members. So in order to make himself seem like harmless and not someone that's like, you know, shootable. Mm Mm-hmm. He drives to an attorney's office in order to pretend that he's just, like, Juan's lawyer and, like, just doing normal business and not, like, you know, part of, like, a super spy team or anything.
1: Don't be suspicious. Don't be exactly. suspicious. <laughs> and so
0: he's just, like, in front of the attorney's office, like, chatting up a stranger. has no idea what he's talking about. While behind the stranger, like, gang members with, like, a semi-automatic rifle are just, like, <laughs> have it pointed. Like, they're about to do, like, drive-by. Yeah, an their actual window is drive-by. down. <laughs>
1: Their window is like, down. They're like hanging out of the daylight
0: car. In front of like a lawyer's office. Just like, it's just <laughs> hanging out. And he's like, oh no, he's just a lawyer. I'll slowly like grab my machine gun and bring it back into the car. And we won't, like, do a massive drive-by because we're gang members and we're evil. It's, it's wild.
1: Yeah, it's, it was pretty unbelievable. I liked the tip, like, if you don't want it to seem like Juan is called in reinforcements, just pretend to be his lawyer by, like, driving to a law office because, like, Sam, because basically the spy tip ends up being something to the effect of, like, if you are unexpectedly tailed by people who don't know who you are, the worst thing you can do is, like, be really tricky because then they'll be like, oh, this is an actual threat. We should kill him. But, like, like make yourself seem like a non threat, and so Sam like calls four one one to ask for you know the address to the nearest law office or something like that. Like the tip was right. good, but yeah, it's wild that the fucking drive by we they were like, hanging out take of Take
0: that thing you just said and cut it out and then put it at the end of the episode when we talk about spike dip.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying the scene was kind of silly, but it made a good point.
0: There is like a good spike tip in it. I am with you deep on that. Down, and like Sam deep down. And, like, Sam is good. And what you I call it? Yeah, Bruce Campbell's really funny in that scene.
1: He is. He basically just like scene. puts a hand on a lawyer's shoulder and just like screams,
0: "We're both lawyers." He then like he looks into the building and sees like the security guard guy, like, "Hey, what's up? It's me, <laughs> lawyer you're good,
1: man. You're good, I do w- law. buddy." <laughs> Chuck Tort. Finley, PhD, Esquire.
0: Yeah. So Sam go, talks to Jesse and Michael about how Sam's plan is that he's going to go into prison himself in order to help Juan. And then Michael points out that like the gang knows who he is, and also he's not the main character of the television show, so he can't go into the prison. And so that Michael's going to have to go into the prison. Because Michael, not unlike Juan, is also a martyr. <laughs> And everything has to be done by him.
1: So, I was actually kind of hoping they'd send Jesse in. Right? Would have like, given
0: Jesse something to do.
1: Exactly. And, like, maybe Michael could go in undercover as, like, the prison guard or something. Like, yeah. again, just just to have fucking something for Jesse to do, for the love of God. But I don't think Jesse something doesn't need this Jesse episode for Jesse to do either.
0: anything. Oh, my God. But, yeah, no, Michael's got to do it. And Michael's got to do it alone. Jesse isn't involved, but he wants to know how it's going to go down. And it <laughs> turns out how it's going to go down is a Tweedledee and Tweedledum are back. Did not well, expect to see them so well, soon.
1: Basically, at the end of last episode, they're like, so are we even? After we threatened that random guy with putting him on the FBI's most wanted list in Michael's life, it's a start. And so basically, yeah. he's just calling in an additional favor from them. He's because calling he in an additional favor. A solid.
0: I was certain that after that episode, it's like, oh, great, we'll see those two guys, like... In the next finale. season maybe saying that oh i might call on you for a favor as is, uh, is like the thing that you say when like maybe you're gonna bring in a guest star back but maybe not kind of like that one episode like where they're out in like the everglades with that one guy and at the end he's like call me if you need anything it's like michael's like i'll take you up on that and then he never takes him up on it <laughs>
1: It's kind I, of like, you know, the it, 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 in like a rom-com style thing where someone's like, like a guy picks up a girl and he gets her number and he's like, maybe I'll call you sometime. And she's like, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. And then he walks away and calls her like, right as he's walking away. Like, hey, I told you I was going to call you sometime. It's like, it feels like that.
0: It does feel like that. You to be saying
1: that. I mean, he, he couldn't just let them leave Miami because like, I don't think their beat is Miami necessarily. I think they just like work nearby and end up there a lot. And maybe Michael's like, well, before you leave, actually i have a new thing to do i
0: have a new thing i need you guys and i, need I don't to know bring bring if that is true Wink. can i say i don't know if that is true for um these two fbi guys but i definitely think it's probably true about these two actors <laughs> anyway so these the FBI guys are gonna get him in. They explained that they're doing a huge favor getting him in prison and make him making him want to remain which still doesn't explain how this works. Is this how prison works, Bree? That you can just like call it the prison and being like, hey, I've got a guy, um, he didn't commit a crime or anything. But, I don't like, think they told him that. I don't him think
1: in. the I don't think the guards know that he's just some guy. I think the FBI is like, can you just like hold on to this guy for a little bit? I think we're basically supposed to assume that, like, remember a couple of episodes ago when Michael uses the different between like county and state for the fire department. It's like one of
0: those things.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I think it's happening is it's like the kind of dueling jurisdictions makes it so that like we can just leave this guy here for a leave little bit. Leave this guy
0: in here. And it's like, that is true. Most of the guards do not seem to know. And I think,
1: like... I think that's consistent with a lot of like crime cop shows where somebody ends up getting sent to prison, like undercover. Like usually if the guards know that's dangerous, especially if like the person they're undercover to deal with might have a couple guards on the take. I think it's actually yeah. safer for them to genuinely go in as a prisoner and just depend on whoever kind of checked them in to also check them out. So I like, I don't think that this is wildly out of character for this, Style of story that's
0: necessarily. I was just like, it is. This is the thing that's always bothered me about this kind of plot. Like they do. I will say though that um they do have enough pull in the prison to get like him a cell phone already.
1: Yeah, to leave him a cell phone and officially yeah. get him roommates with the guy. They, yeah,
0: he is officially. Yeah, they have. They have. Planted a phone in with Juan just in case, mm-hmm. because that's what I call a cell phone. Waka waka,
1: because of a
0: jail cell.
1: Wow, that's a pull,
0: right? Anyway, so if Michael meets Juan in the prison room. It's it's like this. I don't know. I've never been to a prison.
1: I have. Like, I debated in one once. I debated against prisoners in college.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you win?
1: Uh, I won a couple. I didn't win the whole tournament. If but someone basically... like lost
0: and like a prisoner won, did they? Did you have to like take pla- take the place of the prisoner and the prisoner got to go free?
1: Yeah, that was how it worked. It was like an early release program where like if you argued good enough about abortion or whatever, uh, you could just leave and a unsuspecting college student would take your place. Yeah, it was crazy. It was interesting though, because like we, uh, you had to follow very specific 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 like dress code rules so like we couldn't wear blue like we couldn't wear like a blue dress shirt because the prisoner outfits were blue so they didn't want all of us just like wandering around the prison in the same color clothing because it might obviously create confusion for the guards and stuff like that and we couldn't wear jewelry we couldn't have like hair clips or anything like that like we just had to have you know your hair down and like obviously couldn't have our cell phones in there so we had to bring in like separate timers because most people use their their cell phones for for timers but yeah it was very interesting
0: Hmm. so so in the room where there's like a bunch of cells is there also just like a big section that's just got bars around it because I'm not certain what this room is that they're in like uh. <laughs> it seems like a big room that has bars around it
1: which, which room are you talking about now
0: no the the first room that we see when oh, Michael oh meets like the lounge wide.
1: like the like the it's like, like a tables.
0: lounge but it's like, like it just room. seems like a room that has that bars in it
1: so that we're like hey you're in prison yeah I don't you in that's
0: prison fun. like because yeah, yeah the, like,
1: the rooms that we were in there were no bars like i was no in the rec room area and we were debating within it and exactly a bunch of conference rooms and stuff and like a couple of pods with computers for the prisoners that were allowed to use uh, computers and stuff
0: yeah like genuinely like when i see like prison at least the movie is eb there's like a row of like cells and it's like a hallway almost Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, it seems like there's a bunch of cells that have bars on them, but then also there's like a weird lounge area outside the cells. Well, they've also really has the bars es- around. They've got to
1: sell the aesthetic. You're being punished. This is it's, prison. It prison is has so
0: bars. weird looking.
1: Yeah. Now that I, think I don't back know to why like, this
0: show can't <laughs> sell a prison. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you pay attention to this much more about, like, the prison sets. But, like, now that I'm thinking about it, that is wild. That doesn't make any sense.
0: It was such a weird fucking set. Like, what was this room? Like, it's the prison room. And you know it's a prison room because it's got bars in it. Anyway, he meets Juan and tells him that he's a friend of Sam's and that if he wants to live, he should never leave Michael's side. Juan tells him that he's crazy and Michael tells him that he needs to believe in himself, which was my elementary school theme song. (laughs) I still have bits of this theme song, like, lodged in my brain to this day. But I, And so whenever I see believe in, your, believe in Yourself, that's what I think of. But yeah, like, Michael's like, you want, you want to see your family again. Don't give up. You're a good guy. Like, you gotta live. Don't be a martyr. I'm gonna be a martyr. I'm gonna get you out of here. So... Michael and Juan hang out in the outside jail area and then the, Michael the gets called. I
1: think they call it the prison the yard. yard.
0: I think so. But then like normally I would just say the yard, but every everything about the space in this episode makes no sense to me. <laughs> So but they're in the outside area of prison. They're in outside jail. And Michael gets called over by Cruz. This is the first time we meet Cruz. Which is interesting because there was a scene earlier where I thought we met Cruz, but apparently we just met a guy.
1: Yeah, to- totally unrelated guy.
0: A totally unrelated guy. And I guess that was like the guy that sent dudes after Sam. But he was not Cruz. This guy who we're meeting now is Cruz. Cruz calls Michael over. And Michael, okay, so Michael has in his hand a basketball. <laughs> I'm so glad near, you're going to talk about this. He is bigly near a basketball hoop, I am. he is. Like, we see it later. He has it, and, like, he does this thing where it seems like he's maybe going to throw the basketball, but he just kind of, like, drops it. Like, he puts his hands in basketball-throwing position. We've all seen it. Yeah, he's
1: and about then he to just, shoot a hoop.
0: Yes, and then... He literally drops the ball. He just, like, drops it.
1: But he does this all while staring at Cruz. Like he makes yeah, complete so eye contact the entire time. Awkward. It is hilarious.
0: Here's the thing. Here's what I think this is. Here's what I think is going through Michael's head right now. is that He's about to go talk to Cruz and he's trying to figure out what his play is. But also he has a basketball. So he's like, I need to get rid of this basketball. I'm going to shoot it. But then he decides, no, I'm going to play a wimpy guy. Wimpy guys can't make baskets and <laughs> I'm Michael Weston and if I throw a basketball, it's going to be a basket. So I have to <laughs> drop this ball to convince Cruz that I am a wimpy man.
1: Or as you put it in your notes, a guileless beta cuck. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's what he does. So like.
1: You guys should let us have a Patreon so that we can finally share with you our actual base notes for these episodes because Chris has got some fucking diamonds this week.
0: Oh my God. yeah. Yeah. I was kidding to that. Yeah, so then Michael goes up to him and then pretends to be a guileless beta cuck while Cruz threatens him and says, like, you're hanging around that guy too much. Just chill out, and if we show up at his room, you just walk away. I own prison. You are staying in my house. Anyway. While this is going on, Sam and Fee go dig up the grave where, like, Simon's treasure is, specifically his thing, but he's, like, buried it in, like, a grave. And they dig up the grave in broad daylight. Like, eventually they will be harassed by someone, but it is wild they're just digging up a grave in broad daylight.
1: I don't think it actually is, because once what we learn from the guy that actually comes to find them eventually is that this is a historic graveyard. So most people who are buried here have been buried here for over a century. So I imagine it doesn't have a ton of foot traffic because it's not like no one else is being interred here and certainly no one is like attending a funeral here so yeah. you could probably bet that like this is an untread area
0: this is valid probably yeah, why they're they're digging a grave
1: they are grave robbing it is they while they're robbing. doing it in broad daylight but they kind of explain it away later
0: yeah but yeah yeah like so they're doing it in broad daylight and they find a box that they cannot move and cannot open without it sort of blowing up and destroying the content. So
1: so I think Simon did say, you have to carefully open my thing.
0: Yeah, Simon Simon let them know like, hey, this shit's booby-trapped. You cannot just open it. B looks up and goes, I know bombs. I can open this shit. She's got a plan. Yeah, she Um, does. So anyway, Michael and Juan are eating lunch in like a different part of prison (laughs) that is different from the lounge. This is the cafeteria, I suppose. Uh, It looks kind of like a cafeteria. But it's like outside. It's like, yeah, the outdoor eating yard. Sure. It's also, all of these scenes are basically the same and run together in my brain. They're eating lunch, but no one cool will sit with them. And Michael's pretty (laughs) sure it's because Cruz is going to make a move soon. Because like everyone's looking at them. And Um,
1: everything's like really quiet and nobody has gotten within 10 feet of them. No one's talking about them. There's a
0: spy tip that we'll talk about in Spy Tips that like makes me uncomfortable. We'll talk about it. Okay. But Cruz is definitely going to try to kill Juan soon. So they need a plan to not get dead. So Michael takes Juan to the library and they immediately destroy a bunch of prison property a week before Juan is about to be released. That's great. They like go through... And find all these books on like case law, which are like big, heavy books, so they have hard covers. At first, I thought the idea was that they're gonna put books in their clothes because books are really thick, but not books, just the hard covers, just well, cause the they, like
1: because they, they don't want them to know that they've got like body yeah, armor.
0: exactly. So like they have to make this body armor out of like this sort of light body armor out of fucking hardcover book covers on their like on their chest so they don't get stabbed and so they head back to one cell the most defensible position because they they can only only come from one angle right yeah
1: they, they bottlenecked them
0: they bottlenecked them and this works Cruz and a bunch of his guys show up but like Michael's able to kick their ass which means that they now know that he is not like a guileless beta cuck anymore which is a <laughs> shame I wanted more of that
1: I did too I love when Michael plays a guileless beta cuck like when he has an <sighs> inhaler or a cough yeah. and like that's his alias for the week that's always exactly
0: fun. his alias is a weakness <laughs>
1: Uh, also, it usually means that we're gonna get a scene where somebody overpowers him and he has to let them, but he's like so over it and so we get to see. Oh clips my of god, him. I do love
0: those scenes.
1: <laughs> and uh, that's usually sadly, what happens you do not when we're going get
0: we... one of those this week. Sadly. Um, because Michael has to do a bunch of kicks.
1: Michael does Boy. a kick.
0: Michael does a bunch of kicks and he gets stabbed but it's okay because he has uh, he's a hardcover book.
1: Because knowledge is power. Yeah,
0: knowledge is power. And so Cruz is pissed and then like guards show up or something and it's like, oh, this is over now. But Cruz says he's very angry at both of them now and he promises them that he's gonna plan a party but this is a bad party. This is not like a good party. It turns out that the bad party is a riot that Cruz is planning on starting. Like he has made a deal with like the white supremacist gang that there will be like a fight later between the white supremacist gang and then like the Latino gang like that's just how it's gonna work I love the idea of this like it it is actually plausible because the idea is that they want to like Because he's very powerful. Doing a riot probably like is useful for for both of them. But I do love the punch clock villainy of it. Of like, we hate each other. But like, we're gonna agree on this. We're gonna do a riot. We're gonna do a bit. We're gonna have like a big old duel in the future where we fight it out. And I'm gonna pencil you in for next week. And like, that's very nice to me.
1: Have you noticed that like a lot of the episodes that Alfredo Barrios Jr. writes are ones where there is some kind of Latinx gang? Because like Mr. Snaps was a Latinx gang this is the latinx gang no this
0: is what he does again he's a very conservative writer who Mm -hmm. believes very deeply in the villainousness of gangs and the monstrousness of gangs and so like yeah i think that's like his beat this is what he does it'd be wild it's not he does it like every time yeah it's not like the show wants to do this many episodes about like Latino gay.
1: Well, I think it was an inevitability for a show set in Miami. I mean, yeah. Because of like the huge like Cuban population in particular. And like,
0: this is true. But yeah, I don't know. I just,
1: uh, yeah, I just wonder which came first, the chicken or the egg, the barrios or the wanting to write about. I
0: mean, it's probably both. But like, he writes this kind of thing with such a seal.
1: He really does.
0: That suggests like a belief system.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that at some point we acknowledge, like, it's kind of like every episode now, bud. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it really is. No, it definitely is.
1: Okay, moving on.
0: Anyway, so yeah, the bad party is in fact a riot. Uh, So um, with the guards distracted by the riot, the plan goes, Cruz will kill them both. Which point Michael calls Sam on his cell phone, waka waka.
1: I don't, what is this waka waka bit that you're doing? Explain.
0: Because it's funny because it's a jail cell. And there's a phone in it, and that's humorous. And so I say waka waka to let you know that there's a joke.
1: Oh, because like cell is like a double entendre?
0: Yes. Like a jail cell, but also a cell phone.
1: Got it. Joke acknowledged, it is, it is, moving on.
0: It is a humorous double meaning.
1: You're a humorous double meaning.
0: Aren't they, though? Anyway, so Michael calls Sam on the cell phone, waka waka, and lets Sam know that they're going to do a prison break, which I'm sure makes you happy because you enjoy prison break.
1: It's a very good show, and I think if you just gave it a chance, you would really like it.
0: They don't like prison.
1: That's true. Meanwhile, that would that would be kind of a deal breaker.
0: Uh, meanwhile, uh, he needs Sam to lean on a dirty prison guard uh, named Hill that Cruz is paying off. And so Sam and Jesse got to go do that, which means that Fee needs a new lookout while she, like, defuses the grave bomb. And she doesn't say who that's going to be, but she needs somebody. Because there's, like, an old groundskeeper that she's noticing, like, this old man's got to give us trouble. I can't do this by myself. I need someone else to help. Perhaps someone who is similarly old. (laughs) Anyway, so Jesse and Sam find this security guard, this dirty guard named Hill. And it turns out he has a little brother who's in a different prison. And Cruz is threatening to have him killed if Hill does not play along with whatever Cruz wants. So Cruz is like blackmailing him. And so Jesse and Sam decide that they're going to blackmail him too. He'd be like, Mm. we're going to start nosing around this thing and then you know Cruz is gonna get mad at have your brother killed so maybe do what we say but we're nice they do assure that they're nice so like he, they need his help because they let him know our guys are gonna do an escape and you're gonna help us do it. Meanwhile Fee meets Michael and tells him that he looks bad in the color that they dress him in all the time
1: I was gonna make that comment too! Like yes. literally
0: cause <laughs> they're all wearing this sort of beige like this sort of dark sandy beige color and like B sits down as like that's not your color and it's like this is the same color that they always dress him in it's a little darker but it's the same color
1: maybe she's like, making that point where it's like hey maybe now that you're in a jumpsuit of this color you'll finally admit that it's not your color please for the love of god wear any other color suit
0: question do you think that like barrios or someone on the writing staff was like why do we keep putting him in this color <laughs> is this a dig at the wardrobe people or is this, Brie, is this another instance of like us affecting the past?
1: Ooh, maybe have it is.
0: We, have we now like introduced this concept that that is not a color that Michael Wesson should ever be wearing in burn Notice?
1: Maybe it is. And maybe, you know what? I bet it's going to really push it over the, the limit. Cause like this is just like a hint. They haven't officially stopped dressing him in this color yet. But remember how I reached out to the wardrobe person to see if they'd come on our podcast and they have not responded? Maybe this is foreshadowing that us from the future are going to get the wardrobe person from burn notice on. And once we talk to him, he'll finally admit, you're right, it wasn't a good color for him. And that's the point in the show's continuity where they'll start dressing him differently. But we've, we oh haven't we have put the final piece into place yet.
0: No, no. What if, Bree, what if you have a time email and the reason that they haven't responded yet is because this email went back in time?
1: Ooh. You know, it took us a while to get to the point in this podcast where we have woven like a really bizarre side canon. But I'm happy with where we're at. Because no, remember when we first started it. this podcast and you were like, we can't just do a television recap podcast. And I was like, but we're doing it for Burn Notice. That's what's special. But I also made the point like, hey, you know how there's that uh, that Big Bang Notice podcast that completely goes off the rails and becomes like an audio drama horror podcast? Maybe we'll do that. We just have to like find it naturally. And we have. It's only taken us Four seasons a year and a in. half. <laughs> But we've only been doing I mean, this podcast in, for a year and a half. We have only been doing this podcast since July 2019. Oh my god! Technically wow. May, I think. I think we started recording in May, but like we didn't start uploading this podcast until July 2019. So I mean, that's
0: then actually, yeah, that's a decent amount of time for us. But also, it's like the last like year and change have been the longest year ever. Yep. It seems like we've been doing this forever.
1: It's true. Anyway,
0: B talks to Michael after like rightfully criticizing his wardrobe um, the (laughs) one time when it is not in his control. Uh, She tells Michael that when the riot happens, they should break into the infirmary and then get into a drug locker because the guards will take the locker out like right away because that's like the riot policy because They don't want, like, them stealing, like, drugs and, I guess, equipment or whatever. It's a special locker. So, like, get in that locker and then, like, the guards will take you out. And, like, Michael's like, yeah, but, like, it's gonna be heavy. They're gonna notice there's two human beings in there. And he's like, oh, yeah, by guards, I mean Sam and (laughs) Jesse. She also... And, and Michael's like, but how am I going to get into the infirmary? At which point she, like, kisses him. Like, she she kind At of- first she, she puts gum in her that, mouth. Yeah, she puts gum in her mouth. And when she's putting gum in her mouth, she, like, surreptitiously puts something in her mouth. Then she kisses Michael very really intently, aggressively. Yes. Really aggressively. In order to slip something to him via the top. The whole time she's been doing this character- is like this sort of white trashy southern lady who like, whose boyfriend is in prison. Yeah. At one point, like she's sad that Michael doesn't want to role play more, which is very good. (laughs) But yeah, she is able, using her tongue to give him what looks like a lockpick or something. I couldn't quite tell what it was, but that's what
1: I I couldn't either. At first I was like, did she even give him anything? Because it was very obvious that she put the gum in her mouth and started kissing him, and he looked, like, so shocked at the intensity of the kiss. Uh, But it kind of didn't seem like she did anything. So I was like, was that just because, like, she was feeling frisky or something. But yeah, I think it was like a lockpick or like a hair I mean, like in the
0: next scene, he pulls it out of his mouth and we see it. But I can't quite tell what it was.
1: Yeah, uh, who knows. But it helps him in some way get into the infirmary. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, she leaves the, the prison and goes to the cemetery. Like so many unfortunate people who have been put to prison for life. And she has enlisted Madeline's help to be lookout while she defuses the booby trap. Which leads to a really good scene where like Madeline has to distract the old groundskeeper man by being very Madeline at him. And it but is But she also,
1: good. it's very good. But also like Mama Weston, you know, smoking mama has, she's got a good head on her shoulders because basically Fiona's like, you need to go distract him. And so the first thing Madeline does is go, okay, looks at the grave that they're at like commits it to memory and then uses that as like her bit for distracting this old man. And even when the old man is like, What do you mean you're upset about this guy's death? He died like a century ago and she fucking rolls with it. But like she knew to get a detail. She didn't just like, ah, look over here. Like she did on Michael Weston. She like she took She did do a Michael de- Weston. She took details from her surroundings and utilized them smoking in her Mama life. Westin. She's smoking, Mama Weston, and I'm really proud of her. And I love that, like, she is now just a member of the team. And even though Michael's always like, mm, stop using her, like, she has been a part of the shenanigans, like, at least at one point in the last four or five episodes now. Right?
0: No, this seems like a conscious effort this season, in a way that hasn't before. And I
1: love it. We have it's been great. begging for it.
0: Anyway, so back in prison, Michael and Juan are in their cell planning their escape. When two guards come to get them early, telling them that they're going to get a haircut. <laughs> it turns out that Cruz's party is going to start early and it's a hair party. <laughs> I he
1: wants that. them to look good for the party. So he's going he to give them good. a haircut. Can I say really
0: quickly, I cannot, there are very few phrases that like have ever come out of my mouth that I think are grosser than a hair party.
1: <laughs> it's pretty gross. It's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> hair party is awful. I hate it. And yet I wrote it.
1: You wrote and it I and then you it said out it loud. out loud with your mouth.
0: With my mouth. The hair party came out of my mouth. <laughs> There's Horrible. a party in my mouth and hair is invited.
1: Disgusting. Yeah, I can so imagine that being like a pickup line if you know somebody uh, doesn't shave their pubes.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so the like garbage. pickup bring... line
1: for natural women. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: So the guards take him to this room that I guess exists for gladiatorial combat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what room this is. Yeah, it's like, it's
1: like a courtyard in the, in the it, center of the jail.
0: Yeah, but it's like not a very big courtyard. It is the no, size it's, of it's like, like an a interior large courtyard. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and there's like
1: windows ar- and like into the jail that surrounds the courtyard. Exactly. Right? And like everyone is watching. It very much is like a like the jail coliseum.
0: Right. Which briefly then becomes my other favorite trope. My fa- My least favorite subtrope of prison prisoner episode is prisoner episode that also becomes a gladiatorial combat episode. <laughs> I like, I hate that so much. There's an episode of Angel that does it. It's one of my least favorite episodes of Angel.
1: Is an Angel um, episode in jail?
0: Well, it's not in jail. It's like, it's more demon gladiatorial combat. He is imprisoned to be a gladiatorial person. Oh, you know, a gladiatorial person. It should be a word for that.
1: i'm sure one day when we go back in time we'll come up with something good exactly
0: someone go back in time and tell ridley scott
1: (laughs) because as we know ridley scott originated whatever the eventual term for people who fight in gladiator tournaments is and then he will go back in time and tell the gladiatorial age what they should call their individual fighters
0: hey it's you hey Ridley? Ridley Scott? It's your cousin Marvin. (laughs) You know that new new movie concept you're looking for? Well, watch this.
1: (laughs) And it's just a video, a grainy video of you and I staring at the camera saying, Gladiator, over and over and over again. And then at the end we say, don't blink.
0: (gasps) Marvin. Marvin (laughs) Scott. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Anyway, they have a whole
0: fight in the ring. Yeah, no one's watching. Them. I can't tell if people are watching them or not. No,
1: people are people are fully watching. People are fully because, watching like, them because I, I think the white supremacists are on like on deck to start the riot, and they just need to yeah. like watch these two guards get fucking taken to Pound Town. Yeah,
0: because that's the thing: the guards get taken out too. The guards are not happy about this. The guards like are pissed because it's like, wait, you were supposed to do it later. And then Cruz and his men are like, nah, fuck this. And then beat the shit out of the guards. The whole fight and they knock out Cruz for a bit, but Juan's leg is broken, which is going to make escape like not possible. So uh, Michael comes up with a new plan. It's Cruz that's going to go out. So Michael calls Sam and tells him- I thought this was a
1: pretty good like on the fly switcheroo. Yeah. I will
0: say the first time that Michael says this, I didn't understand that that was the plan. I thought he was saying it like, I thought, because Juan was being like, I can't make it out. And I thought, like, Michael was saying, oh, yeah, well, then I guess I'm going to have to take Cruz out instead, like, as a motivation to be like, no, you're coming. Like, we already did all this work. You're going to come. I'm not going to take Cruz. But it turns out, no, that's exactly what's happening. He is going to take Cruz. Mm-hmm. So Michael called I And
1: I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with that. I was like, are they just going to, like, hide him for a week and then, like, let him back in once Juan leaves? But, like, what they actually ended up doing is quite clever. I wasn't exactly expecting that. I was like, oh. No, that makes a ton of sense. That's absolutely what you should have done. It Great makes job, more guys. sense.
0: Anyway, so Michael comes up with this plan, and Michael calls Sam and tells him to make sure that Cruz knows about the infirmary thing and knows that that's where they're going. So Sam calls Hill, the um, crooked security guard, and to pass along this information because to Cruz, because Cruz, as Hill tells us, also has a cell phone, waka waka. So Cruz and his guys arrive at the infirmary, and then Michael blows them back with, like, a bomb that he's made, and uh, knocking Cruz out again. Cruz has been knocked out so many times already. Like, Cruz has brain damage. There's no way Cruz is fine. Mm-hmm. So Sam and Jesse arrive, and they shove him in the locker, at which point Michael makes a call to Toodley and Toodledum and says, Hey, get me out now. Mm-hmm funny story of riot's happening i would like to leave prison please
1: it's totally unrelated to me i don't know what happened but this is uh, it's getting a little too hot for me so if you exactly. can pull me out that would be great some some anyway. totally unrelated thing is going on please let me out of jail
0: <laughs> anyway so cruz gets dumped at a location where the police are waiting for him and since he is now an escaped convict he goes to escape convict prison which is different from other prison i guess it's like a uh, worse prison sure it's a different prison. I
1: mean, there are so, like stages of bad prisons, like the yeah, higher so, security, the less exactly. He gets like you bumped get. up
0: to like a higher security prison, and then like the FBI guys get Michael out of jail, and we also learn from them that like a bunch of guards have admitted to taking bribes, like just cause I don't know why, because Cruz is gone.
1: Yeah, I, earth does that? I think does probably him it? this this sort of happens a lot in these burn notice episodes, where like also a shady authority figure that they deal with gets theirs but like they're not the main plot they just sort of have encountered them. I assume yeah. it has something to do with like Sam and Michael, and like they they put the screws to him and get them to admit it. Because now that like the blackmail is over, they're like, you better fucking come clean, or we'll keep blackmailing you. I so I assume that's what happened because that kind of happens a lot. It's like a a minor detail in like the the debrief scenes in a lot of these episodes is like, oh, and also that corrupt authority figure that we met halfway through the episode and used for their corruptness. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we got them too. So because, that's I just didn't we can't mean stress about it. this.
0: Enough, you they were bad apples.
1: Yep, this is not a systemic problem, it's a one bad apple or three to five bad apples sort of a situation. Bird Notice is not interested in systems, and neither is Michael Weston.
0: And Juan is no longer interested in systems because he's out of the system for now. Uh, Juan has been released, and I bet he's going to be on the
1: good side of the recidivism rate percentages. Yeah,
0: Sam lets him know that Cruz. Has definitely been murdered by the gang now.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Super murdered because they found out. I don't know. I guess, like, Sam and, like, Michael let the gang know about this, the robbery that he was doing. I they think don't, so. There's a lot of loose ends that get tied up off screen. Anyway, he's in a different prison and it doesn't matter because he's dead. Which is sort of interesting because, like, it is sort of hard for this show when, like, a lot of times... The, the solution is to send the bad guy to prison, but like he came from prison.
1: <laughs> so now we have to kill him.
0: So we have the to kill him. Because he can't go the ultimate prison is hell. Yeah. Anyway, so Cruz goes to hell, and Juan gets to go back to his incredibly photogenic family while nice music plays. Because, of course, it's about family. Anyway, yep. Michael, Sam, and Fee, and not Jesse, open up Simon's treasure chest and find the tape that uh, Simon wants Michael to hear. And the tape is this. Simon is on the phone to Vaughn and confirms that, like, Vaughn was the guy who burned Michael. Because it's, like, from 2007, a.k.a. (laughs) when Burn Nose started. And so he's saying, yeah, we don't need you anymore, Simon. You're too crazy, and we got this new guy, Michael Western? I don't know. Seems interesting. We're gonna burn him. And, like, apparently Vaughn has really been hitting the fact that he is not the one who burned Michael. He's like, Yeah,
1: during the scene with Fee last week, he like made a really big fucking stink about it. Like, hey, I'm a good guy. I didn't come into the picture until way later. Way you later. didn't even meet me until after you met Carla and Victor and exactly. Fraser's dad. I'm like, not one of them.
0: Yeah, he's like a good he he's a good guy who's trying to like make management be better or whatever. And he's not like
1: I think this is also kind of how he was introduced to us. Like I I remember yeah, us having I'm a I'm trying to remember this
0: too. I think he was vaguely. But no one gives a shit because no one cares about this character.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like
0: it seems like such a minor thing. Like it it seems like such I a think minor what they're- thing.
1: Yeah, what we're supposed to assume is that the reason that Michael has allowed Vaughn to like work alongside him, et cetera, et cetera, is that like he's management, but he's like good management. Like he's yeah. Vaughn has convinced us that he's like the good side of things. Like he's he's the new kid. He's the Justice Democrats of management, and is like gonna come in and like make some changes. Uh, but it turns out he's actually regular Democrat and bad. Yeah, not worse than Republicans. But I guess we've already voted by this the point that this episode comes out. So fuck yeah. We'll see, I guess. We'll see.
0: Oh my god! But like, obviously, management was always the people who burned Michael, and like, so right. like this guy did it. Like we heard it happen. This is different. But you like, know, what's funny? it's funny. It's not that different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's not that different, but it's sort of funny because it's sort of like we've come full circle because like all of season one of Bird Notice was like we were tracking down Philip Cowan, the guy that burned Michael. And then Philip Cowan's like, haha, it's bigger than me. And then he dies. Uh, Remember that when Toby from the West Wing died? But now three seasons later, we've come back around where Michael had like resigned himself to the fact that it was actually a system. But it turns out, nope, it's back to one bad apple. So like we've come full circle to it's bigger than that, but also it's this one guy. Oh my God.
0: This is very true.
1: It's like uh, fucking Barrios has not only is like once again reinforced that the problem is not with prison or the justice system, the problem is bad apples, but he has also now retroactively brought the macro plot line of Burn Notice back to it's not management, it's one bad apple in one fell fair, swoop, masterful, like, a masterful performance. To
0: be fair, I'm pretty sure this is Matt Nix.
1: Oh, sh- oh of course. I mean, but they're like the same guy. Yes. Matt is just slightly oh less God. conservative. <laughs> Like they're partners in crime.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so we now have this information and knowing this information, Michael talks with Simon and Simon tells him that he's not going to tell Michael what the Bible is about at all. But he is going to tell you who he works for, which is the thing that like Michael wanted to know anyway.
1: Yeah. This whole Bible thing seems like a like red herring, frankly. Yeah.
0: I mean, like it will matter. But like the thing is, all he wanted to know was like he wanted to find out who it was who is like, doing all these wars for profit. The Bible was just a way to find, figure out who it was. And now we know who it is. It's a guy named John Barrett, who Michael confirms is the CEO of Drake Technologies, which is a hilariously fake-sounding name. <laughs> it's so, like... And, like, after building this up for, like, a season that it's just, like, this guy... One of my favorite slash least favorite most annoying things that happens in like television is when you have to confirm to the audience that someone is famous.
1: <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this before. We have talked Maybe about this before. On, I don't know if it's been on Burn Notice, but it, we've no, we talked about this,
0: this on Burn Notice because I think we talked about this on the episode about like the rap star. There's oh episode,
1: yeah. Yeah. Remember
0: the, the rap star episode? <laughs> the one that Ben
1: Watkins yeah. guest stars in. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's got remember like, um,
1: Ben Watkins. Fucking to Method act.
0: Man or something. No, or, red i don't know but it's like, a, might have like been Method a, man. yeah
1: i think it was i will say so like yes it, it, it is a very annoying trope and nobody ever does it well uh what i will say is that i guess it does make sense that the like leader of like a technology conglomerate is the one starting worse for profit because it's not just like he makes money from the war it's that basically he's destroying shit so that his company can get contracted to come in and rebuild yeah so he seems like the savior experience like yeah so that's the premise and that makes sense to me and it does know, make capitalism sense. corrupts absolutely so i'm interested to see how burn notice navigates capitalism corrupting absolutely but yeah. uh i guess we'll see
0: um we'll see i mean like they'll do it boringly sure because again he will be a bad apple ceo
1: yeah but other people do capitalism just fine just when fine. i do capitalism it's good
0: yeah so but simon says waka waka if <laughs> Michael gives John Barrett the Bible, then Barrett will wipe out Vaughn and management and everything. And then he's hoping that's what Michael does. Because apparently that's what John Barrett wanted Simon to do. Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah, John Barrett seems to be at war with management for some reason. Or like management wants Well, because management's him. trying
1: to take him down, right? He's
0: trying to take him down. And so like, this is like a gang war between the very powerful.
1: Yes. And... Something else that Simon says, waka waka, is he's like, listen, I hope that you do this thing for me. Because here's the thing. Once you destroy management, you can also destroy John Barrett. But, like, you need someone powerful to take down one of the two of these people. And it feels like since we both hate management and they're the one who know about you, maybe you should kill them first. And then if you want, you can go after John Barrett. So, like, Simon does say, like, I mean, I don't like either of them. But management ruined my life. So ruin
0: your life too. you heard a cassette tape about it.
1: We are the same. I'm Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And
0: so are you, Michael Weston. And then like
1: Larry, Larry Bigelow or whatever the fuck his name is, like hops out of the sand. Like he's like me too. And then Burt Reynolds shoots him in the head. No, he's like me. Michael Weston's like all of us. In fact, not a bathroom sign of a man. He is complex and dark and addicted to. Michael is every man.
0: (laughs) That's what Sam Sam Axe
1: shoots Burt Reynolds in the head and says, Michael is every man, you fools. He's not one of you. He's all of us.
0: (sighs) Michael, like, (laughs) Michael Weston. Like, Burt Reynolds is the astronaut looking at the Earth, at Michael Weston and and saying, Michael Weston was every man and behind him Sam Axe says, always has been. (laughs) Anyway, so Michael goes to talk with Vaughn and tells him straight up, yeah, John Barrett is the War for Profit guy. And also, Simon wants me to kill you. Anyway, I told him that would do it. Lol.
1: Yeah. So, well, basically, um, Vaughn's like, we've been torturing this bro, this dude for like months. How did you get this information so quickly? And Michael's like, oh, I-, I let him convince me to kill you. Haha, lol. Like, that's why it comes up. It's important why it, it comes up.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's like, yeah, why he mentioned it. And then Vaughn's like, should I be worried? I'm like, Michael's like, nah, that's why I told him. He's a crazy guy. And Vaughn's like, great. Well, we're not done yet. We got to get this guy now. So you're still with us. And Michael smiles, the smile of a man who definitely wants to kill the person that he's looking at. And that's how the episode ends.
1: Delicious. All right.
0: Let's talk about some spy tips.
1: All right. Break me off a piece of these spy tips. All right.
0: This first one is kind of an inverse a little bit of one of the ones that I did two weeks ago. Handcuffs, like anything metal, are vulnerable to metal fatigue. Give someone enough time to work on them and they'll break down just like anything else.
1: Yeah, that's useful. All right,
0: that's in. When you realize you're being followed, escaping isn't always the best option. If your pursuers don't know who you are, driving evasively, calling the cops, or pulling a gun will just send a message that you're a threat. Whenever possible, the best play is to make the bad guys think you're not someone to worry about. If they think you're a cop who's onto them, you have to convince them that you're just a harmless attorney working on an appeal.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we already talked about this. but Yeah, we have this one. And Does four one one still exist? If I dial four one one, will I get like an information line? Yeah, I think so. I've never called four one one. Have you ever? I've never had either.
0: But like, but I you're so feel old. Like when I was in New York, especially, people talked about it a lot.
1: I feel like people talked about three one one because that's like the social services number. Like I've heard of maybe people I'm thinking three one one. I don't know. What if like, I try like. to do a three way call between you, me, and four one one?
0: I don't know what we would do. Not what we are. <laughs> Every environment has its rules and customs, and your survival often depends on knowing them. In Russia, you never refuse vodka. In Pakistan, you always clear your dinner plate. And in prison, are careful about making eye contact. Too little eye contact and you become a victim. Too much eye contact and you become a threat. Either way, you'll never be more than a couple of blinks away from getting a ship in your back. Is this useful?
1: Yeah, I think so. I Like the Pakistan, you should always clear your dinner plate is useful information to know. That is
0: useful for me. I would love to know if it's true.
1: It seems more specific than either of the other ones. Because like, I don't know a lot about Russia, but I feel like if you refuse vodka, it's not like that big of a cardinal offense. But I don't know. Maybe Russia's don't know. More Russia more gulagi than Maybe we assume. Maybe like
0: someone will pull a gun on you.
1: I should have asked my Uber driver from Russia who's like obsessed with Mike Bloomberg. Oh my god. Hey, if I refuse vodka in Russia, will I get shanked? Also, why are you voting for Bloomberg? Oh my god. I, asked, I did ask him that and his answer was insufficient and so I was like, please don't vote and he's like, Okay, I rarely do and I was like, Great, that's good to hear. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, a very this animated fine. conversation. Yeah, anyways, this is fine.
0: All right, this one's like almost, this might not be a thing. Old cemeteries are great hiding places as long as you don't mind desecrating a grave. People don't often go digging at cemeteries and unlike buildings or houses, they don't get demolished or remodeled. Bury your stash near near an old, nondescript headstone, there's little chance that anyone will recover it unless they're meant to.
1: I think that this makes sense. I also think it makes sense in context of what we were talking about, which was it's probably easier to, like, stay out of the way in this because there aren't people actively being buried. Yeah. And there's not funerals coming through at random times. I think this is useful. I, I don't really too. spend a lot of time thinking about cemeteries, and so this is That's a piece really of information true. that I could actually use. I
0: wonder what that old guy's life was like. We know that podcasts exist. Do you we think do he's know. To them?
1: I bet he's listening to the FBI guys' podcast. Oh my I god! He's like I their so. exact demographic.
0: I hope so. Suits of armor fell out of fashion because added protection isn't worth the trade-off in speed and agility. Flak jackets and bulletproof vests are popular because they allow for free range of motion. The key is to shield your core and mentally prepare for strikes against your unprotected arms and legs. All lightweight armor is vulnerable to some extent. Layered book cardboard won't stop a bullet, but it's dense enough to thwart all but the sharpest blades.
1: Yeah, this is useful. That's a lot of stuff that, that That was a clever little exoskeleton tip. Yeah. And the fact that, like, we know what books he went for, like, where's the law section? Because that's where, like, the big meaty books with the big flapjackets exactly. are going to be.
0: Yeah. The law is strong. <laughs> Trust in the law.
1: That is something that Barrios would say.
0: All right, next. Fighting in tight quarters with your back against the wall may cut off escape options. But it creates a choke point and forces your opponents to form a single file line. If you have to fight a group, better to take them one at a time. We've had something like this before.
1: We have, but like, it's a good point. It is. Okay, cool. We'll keep it. Why not? At this Uh, point, it's sort of like, it doesn't matter.
0: Exactly. It's all gravy anyway. We're in free play now. High school chemistry teaches us that volatile chemicals like sodium metal will burn when they come in contact with the moisture in the air, which makes them ideal triggers for particularly nasty booby traps. High school chemistry also teaches us that oil and water don't mix. To diffuse a booby trap triggered by moisture, you submerge it in oil. It's messy, but it keeps you from being blown to bits.
1: Yep, that's useful. This and was very one of my favorite tips,
0: actually. It was really cool to watch. Mhm. I enjoyed it.
1: And it was a Fee Madeline scene, so it's extra great. Exactly. I would like an extra serving of this gravy, please.
0: Any medical facility is going to co- contain plenty of combustible material. Pure oxygen can pack a bunch if it's packed with the right accelerant. The same properties that make ether a powerful anesthetic also make it extremely valuable. Alcohol is used to sterilize wounds. Pour it on the floor can also make an effective fuse. Any place where lots of dental lab work is done on the premises will have a butane torch. It's used to cast molds of teeth out of wax. It can also be used for any other task that requires a controlled pointed flame. There's a yep. lot of stuff in that
1: tip. That's a that's a shopping list tip if I have ever heard it.
0: That is a chock full tip.
1: Cock full All right, tip.
0: The last one. Few incidents inspire police responses as intense as a prison break. Local, state, and federal authorities come after a fugitive with everything they've got. Dump an escaped prisoner someplace, give him a gun, make a few calls, and you can guarantee make a lot of new friends in law enforcement this is iffy i wasn't sure about this one so i was like
1: oh well i don't think it's a i don't think it's anything yeah it's like people will, a, people take prison breaks seriously
0: yeah it's yeah i think i wasn't quite sure on that one but i thought i'd be even it anyway, yeah, it, was a nice a, little,
1: it was a nice little scene slash button but yeah i don't think it's anything. yeah yeah that's eight tips
0: that's the most spy tips in a while. If you like, you have been it's like kind of a lot of the time.
1: Well, we're getting back to the basics. Like yeah, this back is back to
0: basics. The Barrios, Alfredo basics Barrios baby. Jr.
1: Yeah, the Barrios basics. He's been around since the beginning. Like since the this beginning. is his fucking shit.
0: It is anyway. So we've got spy tips. Do we have spycraft over violence?
1: Uh huh. I think so. Yeah. A lot of a lot of you know anything that's prison breaky is usually spy crafty. he usually is
0: although he doesn't do a lot of like crafting
1: well you know he's got the books for armor he does thing. have the books you know they're gonna sneak their way out of prison yeah no like yeah, that's that, that, that stuff there's stuff there's stuff I'll give you that
0: is there an alias we get one scene of a <laughs> guy <guyless> with beta cup <laughs> the
1: basketball throw will haunt me in my dreams
0: that basketball was great i don't know if that like that is like legitimately my best guess at what they were trying to do
1: (laughs) it sort of seemed like jeffrey donovan was handed a basketball for something to do in this scene and like wasn't sure how to get out of it and just did the weirdest possible dismount ever
0: it was beautiful i don't know if that's enough to be an alias it's not
1: if mike if matt Reese If Matt Reese didn't, yeah. If Matt Reese isn't a fucking alias, then neither is unnamed guileless beta cuck in one scene.
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's nothing. Are Fee and Sam used well?
1: I think Fee is, I mean, technically, our rule was like, does Fee get to blow something up? But I think Fee gets to, like, be smart about explosives. Like, she knows what kind of explosive this seems. Exactly. But, like, using her knowledge of blowing things up, she oils up a coffin.
0: She does. (laughs) And Sam, like, this is Sam's case. I mean, like, does Sam get stuff to do?
1: Well, he gets to yell about being a lawyer.
0: Yeah, that's a fun Sam scene.
1: That is a fun Sam scene. We love those kinds of Sam scenes. What do you think? (sighs) What else does Sam do in this episode? Because this is a pretty, like, michael episode in a way that we haven't had in a while. Like, it's all Michael.
0: Yeah, he goes to, like, security guard guy with Jesse.
1: But that's, like, barely a scene.
0: It's barely a scene. Yeah, he's not in it that much. Despite really, the fact that, it? like, it's his friend.
1: And he certainly doesn't get to be peak Bruce Campbell, which was our no. original rule. So, yeah, I think Fee was used well because she gets to have a little bit of a solo mish and use yeah. her explosives expertise. Not a great Fee episode, but, no. You know,
0: but it's like, yeah.
1: There was character continuity. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think we can give it a Sam, though. Okay. That's he doesn't even mention this... the hammy.
0: This rule, this fact that we're splitting up Phi and Sam is having a major effect on whether or not an episode... Well, and
1: it's also a good, like, barometer for, like there's not doing a good job of balancing side characters because like it no, would be I mean, one thing really if if fee or Sam was not used as well because they were giving the screen time to Jesse. but in this case, in this episode's case, they were giving screen time to Michael, who doesn't need right, it yeah because like they, they, it, this shouldn't be the killer of great episode of Burn notice. But, like, they chose to introduce a main cast member. They could have just had the guy, like, occasionally appear, but not really be in every episode. This is true. But they made the active decision to hire on a new main cast member who is credited before Bruce Campbell's with Bruce Campbell. So they made this bed. They have to fucking lay in it.
0: You know what? You're right. I am and right. also. And I should this, say it. This is implied, but also Jesse's not used well.
1: No, he's not. He's in like two scenes.
0: Yeah, no. So this is not a great episode of Notice. It's not. And it's not a great episode of television. I think we will all, definitely both it's agree. It's also, also
1: that. not that. It is simply an episode of television. It is simply an episode of television. I mean, I didn't not have fun with it because like it is a single location episode and, you know, fighting your way out of like a Very specific circumstances like my shit. It is. I didn't hate it. It's, you know... Not season one, Bird, not us. But yeah, it certainly wasn't a standout of the season for me.
0: No, I will say I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to hate it, considering it's a prison episode written by Alfredo Barrios Jr.
1: Yeah. No yogurts the last two episodes, though. No, Even though we no We had a lot of all. loft scenes. There was an, <laughs> when Vaughn like, came to talk to Michael, Michael had like a yogurt-eating face, oh. But then the camera panned down, and there was just like a file on the table. And I was like, no, that's the face that Michael Weston uses when he's about to eat a yogurt and have a conversation with a scary person. And I was really no, upset.
0: No, there was no yogurt. Instead, there was dread sherbet.
1: <laughs> so just just to update everyone, because we're now officially uh, halfway through the season. Um, so far in Burn Notice Season 4, there have been five yogurt sightings out of 10 episodes, which is a abysmal by this time last season we had like 15 we also this season have had six episodes of television we have had four great episodes of burn notice and we have also had four great episodes of television so this is a very interesting season this is the least number of great episodes of burn notice that we've ever had and i think it's because they introduced jesse and they're fucking around with him
0: yeah no i think you're right so it's, it's interesting. interesting i am we're getting we're getting towards the end of what's probably like the winter break and we'll see where this goes
1: yeah something's gotta something's gotta give yeah
0: until then uh there's nothing left but to thank vincent el for our theme music if you want more from vincent go to com. and until next week bye bye have a nice life until next week